0: Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast edition. As always on Thursdays, my friend, the generalissimo, Dwayne Patterson of the Hugh Hewitt Show, master of the universe, dot com, the troll-free web surfing experience for Hugh Hewitt fans and listeners. Remember, you should be a member by now. What what the heck is wrong with you if you're not a member? Dwayne, I mean, what should people be doing other than than signing up for for the universe?
1: it's inflation-proof. It has not gone up the way everything else has gone up, both both in the consumer end of the universe and in the producer end of the universe. It's the same price it was
0: last month and last year. Yeah, that's true of the Ed Morrissey Show podcast, too, but it's it, that that's a low bar in the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. So there you go. Um, <laughs> we're going to get to inflation here. I think we'll start off with inflation. I know that there's, you know, we get the Supreme Court stuff. We're going to be talking a little bit about that today, too, and, and the Senate vote that took place yesterday. But you know, yesterday um, the uh, consumer price index came in at eight point three percent year on year. Zero uh, z- core inflation zero point six percent month on month, and uh, at least a few people in the media treated it as though that was good news. Uh, this morning, they're going to have a more t- they're going to have a more difficult time with it though, because the producer price index, which is a leading indicator for the CPI, came in at a year on year eleven percent. Eleven percent well except that
1: what uh, what the lefties in in media land and and uh and in the white house what they're coming out with is but but they they, they, they met expectations we we at least knew we were going to do this and and we it, we didn't fail in in our predictions because month on month we only exceeded the producer prices by 0.5 percent
0: okay now i mean I get the expectations game that's interesting in terms of investors it's not interesting in terms of anybody else this is like saying, this is like saying um you know we predicted that the cleveland browns weren't going to get into the playoffs and so they've done a great job this year by not getting into the playoffs so here's what's going on you're in a car
1: right and you're driving the car and you were going uh you know the speed limit you were going a a rate of speed that was a safe, reasonable, comfortable speed. That's what the, the growth level should be. That's what the inflation rate should be. You know, if you've got inflation at one, two percent, maybe two and a half percent, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a comfortable, that's a comfortable amount. Keeps up with GDP. Everybody's happy, right? You start Leaning on that accelerator and you start speeding that car up and you get into three, four, five, six, seven percent, eight percent, nine percent. All of a sudden people in the car are going, Hey, slow this thing down. You're going way too fast. It's it's getting kind of uncomfortable in here, right? Well, last month the Uh, as it turns out with the numbers, the the producer price index, which is of course what leads to what you end
0: up paying in the consumer price in the next few months. It's it's the inflation within the distribution chain. That's what the PPI measures.
1: Year on year, which tells you how far you've gone and how fast you've gone. uh, It went from 11.2% as of March to eleven point zero percent as of april so you're still you're rocketing down the road at a pretty good clip right right now the only thing that's changed is in march month on month which is your accelerator it's your speedometer if you will that was at 1.4 percent meaning if you stayed at that rate of speed that you were going, you were headed for a top speed of 14, 15%, 14 and percent. Right. Now it's at 0.5, meaning you've kind of backed off the accelerator. You're still going double the speed limit. You're still breaking the law. You're committing a felony, but you're just easing off the accelerator. You're still going faster, but you're just going faster a little bit. You're taking your time getting to to a faster speed.
0: Right. Here's, That's what this is. Well, and and here's here's the problem is that it's it's compounding, and correct. It's compounding. So it it it's still 11% higher than the prices were in um in April of 2021, which was higher, which had than... already started to go to started ticking up back then, and so the the March. Basis numbers were actually lower than the April basis numbers in, in 2021. Right. Now I'm talking about, it. and I talk with this about King. We're gonna we're gonna hear from King Banyan from uh, Saint Cloud State University and also uh, TwinCitiesBusiness.com. Uh, we're gonna, we have a sort of a deeper dive on inflation An on the CPI, yes. An actual economist. When we talk about this. We talk about the structural problems in the inflation that we're getting. So that'll be coming up a little bit later in the podcast, folks. But. Um, but at any rate, the, the PPI here is an indication that, this, that the CPI is gonna continue um, percolating higher. And the other part of this too, and we should make note of this, is that this has the same structural um, context, I, I'll say context, which is that there was a, a short decline in fuel prices in April, thanks to some gimmicky stunts that the Biden administration pulled with the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which has long since now evaporated. And prices are now back into record territory in record
1: highs as of yesterday so, so when the yeah. cpi right when the cpi went from 8.5 percent down to 8.3 it was chalked up to a, a a slight softening in what fuel costs were for the right. month of april whatever gonna, those it's gonna be the same thing happening right whatever that softening was is gone because we are now at an all-time high in fuel prices and may just began so by the time we get to may's numbers I, I'm not. I'm not sure what else is out there that's going to be the deflationary pressure to offset that that
0: high fuel cost. Uh, yeah, there's there's not going to be one because with energy prices spiking back upward again, that you're going to get it affects everything. It affects everything. It's a force multiplier Correct. in the distribution chain. It's a force multiplier for inflation, which is the reason why you want to keep it on you know in fuel prices in check. Which brings us to the story that broke overnight. In regards to inflation, which was that the Biden administration is going to cancel uh, millions of acres of leases for uh, oil and gas exploration mostly offshore some in Alaska and um, they this is is it this-
1: possible that they have actually deluded themselves into believing that Americans will believe their spin, that the reason for all this is just because of greedy oil company executives. yes. Um, I mean, if, yes, is, I, mean, is I that, think. Is that yeah. possible that that's that's the reasoning why? There's no basis and rationality to that argument. But could they have deluded themselves into thinking that yeah they'll buy this?
0: Sure. I think that the, I think that they think that I think that they're I think that they have deluded themselves into thinking that. Even the Washington Post though in its in its report this is a straight news report you could see some of the head scratching going on because they mentioned the fact that biden is already promising oil and gas supplies to europe <laughs> right exports at the same time that he's cutting off uh you know exploration and extraction leases here in the united states and you can kind of see them almost trying to connect the dots there is like uh well wait a minute uh, how is this exactly going to work <laughs> Because the answer is, is it's not. He's cutting off supply at the time when he's increasing demand. And what that means is that you're going to have this uh, inflationary spiral, especially in gas prices, uh, for the foreseeable future. I mean, I I would not be surprised. We're at, I think, 434 a gallon was the national average for all uh, formulations last week. I wouldn't be surprised if we're up over six by the time we get past the midterms at this rate.
1: Uh I would agree with you. I'm I'm sharing on the screen. This is in you're a you're a native Californian. This I am. Is, this is in uh this is in Death Valley, California yesterday.
0: <laughs> you see what the gas prices are? Yeah, I can see it. I can see it and uh yeah, the um $9 a gallon. $9 a 875
1: for the cheap stuff. Nine twenty-three. If you want to put the the high octane stuff in your gas, ten bucks a you gallon work. for
0: diesel. Ten bucks and a gallon for diesel. Ten
1: bucks a gallon
0: for diesel, in uh, in Death Valley, California. Which is the reason why you should never go to Death Valley, California. By the way, um, there are actually lots of reasons not to go to Death Valley, California, unless you're really interested in ten, in but, deserts. But, well, I, I I understand
1: that, but I'm telling you, <laughs> this is what the policy that we're seeing is getting you. You think I'm I'm kidding when I'm telling you ten buck a gallon gas is on the way. We're headed that direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know. Just as an aside, though, if you ever find yourselves in Needles, California, find someplace. Keep driving. Keep driving. (laughs) Pay ten dollars a gallon to get the hell out of there. I I mean, just keep driving. There are better places. Almost anything, by definition, is a better place than Needles, California. I probably have. I probably have like. Ten viewers in Needles, California, are going to send me emails about that. But hey, I've been through Needles, <laughs> and unless it's changed in thirty years, which I
1: those doubt that it that, has, those people that are in Needles that are um, that are—I'm uh, sure are fine folks. By the way, fine folks. I, I, I'm sure they are too. But those are people that ran out of gas money and are now working at the casino in Laughlin. <laughs> I think that's—they're
0: <laughs> still stuck there. It's sort of like a. Uh, it, it's sort of like the. Um, the California version of Nothing But Trouble. You, you remember yes. that film? Oh, I do. I That's, do. That was that was one of the Chevy worst. K's, one Chevy of the K's worst K's films Dan ever Acklerd made.
1: And, and, and Demi Moore, right?
0: Yeah, one of the worst films ever made with, Candy, a real, yeah. with a real with a real all star cast. It's one of those yeah, all star bombs. John John Candy in a dual role. Yes, yes. Um, a forgettable experience for everybody, but one that uh, probably is more indelibly Im- impressed on your brain. Anyway. Uh, to get back to to get back to this, I mean, we are going to see a continuing spiral here of inflation because the Biden administration simply refuses to deal with the with the underlying causes of it. One is the expansion of monetary supply. The Fed is going to try to take care of that. They're going to create a recession in doing so. Um, Almost, they're almost by definition. Now, I don't think they have any options other than the Volcker option. They may crawl up to it. They may try to get to it incrementally, but basically, they're going to have to execute they've, the Volcker option.
1: They've already done the half point hike. They have to do another one. They've got to do at least
0: two. They've got to do at least two more this year. Uh, and I think they're they're talking about doing even more than two increases this right. year. That's how bad right. this is getting. And I think the the CPI and PPI numbers this month are not going to convince them to hold off. This is No, I mean again,
1: you are you are at double digit inflation with with uh, producer prices yep. and and CPI, you got uh, you got a breather if you will, even though it's not really a breather, you you had kind of a you had kind of a, a, a stable incline that was due to an event that is no longer in play right now. Right. And, yep. In in fuel prices so the sky's the limit
0: yeah it really is at this point because if we're going to continue to restrict if we're going to continue to restrict supply you're going to um and demand continues to go up you're going to end up right we're going to see nothing but increasing fuel uh costs right so the biden administration has been trying to get ahead of this this week i mean clearly they saw these reports coming they've been trying to get ahead of this all uh, all week Dwayne. you um joe biden's been on the stump talking about ultra mega republicans which you know is sort of like a basket of deplorables thing um it ain't working it, no, it's not gonna work it's not gonna work at all in the meantime well, you've got congress uh, working on everything but inflation but
1: but again you, you had barack obama and you had uh you had bill clinton both of them at least had some charisma and had some retail political skills they could, they
0: could snow, uh, they could sell the snake oil, right? You know, they, they could have now, now, now Dwayne, you, are you saying that Scranton Joe doesn't have charisma? Why? Just, just this, I think it was just yesterday you on your show, you showed me how much charisma he demonstrated towards his fellow Americans. Uh, <laughs> we, we, I did. We gotta I did. get this clip in here somewhere. Um, you want to do it now? Yeah, let's do it now. Because I mean, if you want to talk about charisma, Joe Biden is the anti-charisma. Here's here's Joe Biden trying to explain something that is like a, a term that's like 50 years old um, and apparently has uh, never actually sunk in with him. Here is uh, here's Big Joe.
1: We're the only nation in the world, the only nation in the world that has come out of every crisis stronger than we went in it. Rah-rah, Joe. Every single time. Yes. Regardless of what it was. Right. No other nation uh-huh. has uh-huh. done that. Correct. It's one of the reasons why, in some places, we're called the ugly Americans. We think we can do huh. anything. We know we can do anything. Wait. What, uh... <laughs> what this was This nation that? leads the world. We stand up for freedom. Did, did 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 we change topics, Sarah, and someone forgot to tell me?
0: The The ugly Americans? <laughs> We're the ugly Americans," says Joe Biden. Um,
1: He was was doing so good with the rah-rah stuff until. uh, Wait, wait! (laughs) wait, The ugly Americans. The ugly
0: Americans. Yes, yes. I mean that that deals with something different, doesn't it? It's completely different. This is apparently Joe Biden is, is 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 has memory problems. I don't I don't know how to explain this other than to just say the uh, you know the uh my cousin vinnie uh opening statement um uh, hello everything that man just said is bullshit thank you um the ugly americans is a reference to how americans used to travel abroad we were arrogant we wouldn't learn the language we expected everybody to americanize things for us um you know we wanted to go visit uh you know uh England and France and Ireland and we expected every country in their language to, to speak English instead and right. Not just speak English, but to, to have food prepared like it is in, in America, cheese, have
1: cheeseburgers everywhere. Yeah,
0: cheese cheeseburgers in paradise. To to quote the great philosopher Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, that's what so, ugly
1: Americans meant. <clears throat> had nothing so, to do with
0: so, prevailing in crises. Yeah. What, what what does it have to do with crises? And, I, it has and, nothing and resilience. Nothing to do with crises and resilience. This is Joe Biden's uh, sputtering brain just throwing, you know, BS on the wall again. As I have often said on both of our podcasts, Dwayne, um, he is uh, twenty pounds of bullshit in a ten-pound bag. And yes, and, and I
1: will note, I will note on this uh, family-friendly podcast, you have gone blue twice. Have, I, I, I have, I have failed, I have failed to go blue once because <sighs> I, I work, for, I work for Salem, and I, I oh! long, for, and, and 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 I and I long for that five point five percent raise at
0: some point that I was. I was told I got from Joe Biden. <laughs> well, you'll have to tune into the universe's um, uh, uh, after show from last night to hear more about the 5.5 percent races. I I don't feel like poking the bear. I'll let Dwayne poke the bear on that one. Yeah, uh, I don't. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just all out of give a creds. <laughs> all right. So in the meantime, while all this is going on, and Joe Biden is telling us that we're ugly Americans for for. Surviving crises, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. What were Democrats on Capitol Hill doing? Well, they were trying to pass the most radical abortion bill ever, because clearly that's the number one priority for the electorate, right? Was this bill. They were were trying to codify Roe
1: by not codifying Roe and basically demanding that taxpayers pay for uh, abortions up through the middle of delivery
0: in the birth canal. Yes, and that was the bill that was being floated. Joe Manchin himself said, "I would vote to codify Roe," but that's not what this bill does. This bill is a radical expansion of abortion in the United States, and I'm Susan not going Collins to vote for it.
1: Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, who were both uh, pro-choice Republicans, uh, would have probably voted to codify Roe. They
0: with, had their, they had their own bill for it. Right. Chuck Schumer had the opportunity to adopt their bill, which would have been the smart political move. Thank you and I God, talked about this. Thank
1: God for Mitch McConnell and thank God for Chuck Schumer, who never seems to fail in the in the ability to snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of
0: victory. So, with that in mind, um, did you see Punchbowl's report this morning yet? Not yet. Okay, so <laughs> Punchbowl's report this morning. Tell me
1: they they tell me they didn't do what everybody else in media did, which is played the uh, Republicans uh, filibuster nope. the bill bit. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Because
0: um, that, because that's just disgraceful. How how media is, is trying oh, to cover this. I, I I completely agree with you, but um, no, th- their coverage of this is frontliners freak. <laughs> okay, i I'm going to I'm going to read you from the Punchbowl Report this morning. Frontline House Democrats, the party's most dang- endangered incumbents this November, have been pressing party leaders in recent days to step up legislative efforts to save their majority. Uh, The roughly 30 House Democrats have long known the political headwinds are against them this year. Redistricting, inflation, the ongoing blah, 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 blah. But many of these vulnerable Democrats return to Washington after a week at home particularly spooked. Their frustrations are running high. They're worried about a lack of legislative victories in 2022, and they badly want Democratic leaders and committee chairs to push more bills that help address the concerns of everyday Americans. (laughs) They've been in session for 16 months and they're just finally coming around to the idea that you know maybe we should ask voters what's actually important i saw this
1: i saw a story in politico last night on uh, th- this feature piece on the their, their canary in the coal mine and that's katie porter who is um, uh, basically my congress critter here uh, in the studio Uh, Although, because of redistricting, we're going to move to a different district, and they've kind of reshuffled the lines, and thank God she won't be anymore. But they're worried she's going to lose her seat, actually, too, because, uh, as the Cook Report uh, uh, said, that any Democrat, any Democrat incumbent in a single-digit Biden district, single digits on down is vulnerable right now. That's yep. that's how that's how bad the the, the the landscape is. But they start featuring Katie Porter, who's looking around, going, "I went to the grocery store, and I picked up a package of bacon, and I've asked, I looked at the price, and it was nine ninety nine for a package of bacon, and I put it back on the shelf. I just I couldn't justify putting it in the cart. And I'm thinking to myself, what could possibly have happened that that bacon is that is that much in price? What could possibly and, happened? And, and and she's like, so I started telling my, my democratic colleagues, have you looked at prices lately and how bad things are? We we must we we we've got to do something about this. We've got to protect our phony bo- baloney jobs. Can I get a harumph out of everybody? And and politico is is praising her as his champion for relatability with, with the common folk out there. Not, of course, attributing the fact that Katie Porter and every Democrat voted for all this bullshit and all this spending. And, and, and they are the cause for all of this.
0: You know, it's funny. You mentioned the, um, getting a harumph out there. Um, I actually used that clip in, in in the post I wrote. It went up while we were talking. Um, <laughs> but a fine I, clip, actually. Oh, I'm, oh my gosh! Is is that not just like the best clip for for politics? Because they yes. came back. They came back after spending a week at home, realizing that they're going to need to do something to save their phony baloney jobs. <laughs> and that's that's all this. That's all this was. That's all this frontliners freak thing it's is all theater. It's
1: theater. And all of a sudden they're like. Well, uh they're not buying the spin. We we've got we've we we've got to at least pretend like we're doing something. They have right. no intention of they have no intention of caving and and putting through uh legislation on expansion of 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 uh, drilling and energy production. They have no intention of uh trying to take some of the money out of the out of the economy and and um uh, reverse some of the spending that they've that they've thrown out there they're not going to do any of that yeah yeah they only know how to affect uh inflation <clears throat> one way and it's the wrong way right they don't know how to they don't they don't know how to do deflationary policy in in washington dc
0: no they don't um And you don't want sharp deflation anyway, because that's almost as bad as sharp inflation. Well, yeah, I mean, you're into recession territory when you start doing that. Right. But um, but the uh, you have to you have to you have to turn off the increases. Right. I mean, it's even if you get back and this is the point getting back to our discussion on inflation even if you get back down to 0% inflation you're still at the high levels you're still at the higher level of prices and wages are still going to take a long time to catch up to it correct so yeah that's that's so you've got all that going on and yet at the same time
1: what are they focusing on they're focusing on something that they think is going to be the salvation political issue for them because all of america they think has been reflected in polling on the question, the top line question of, about Roe, should Roe v. Wade be overturned? And when you phrase the question that way, two thirds of America probably said, nah, I don't want to deal with the, I don't want to deal with the hassle of that. So no, I'm not for that. And so Democrats are saying, see, the country's with us. So we can go full tilt up to the moment of, of birth, um, full infanticide, and America's with us on this. Well, no, that's actually not where the country is. So what do the Democrats do? Overreach in some of the most ghastly ways possible. Yep. And in, 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 in so doing, turning off the American people, even the congressional generic ballot, uh, uh, when CNN did this, they showed the Republicans with a one-point margin on the on the congressional generic ballot Before the Dobbs leak uh, came out a couple of weeks ago, right after the leak, after the leak, when you, when you would think conventional wisdom is Democrats are going to get a bounce out of that issue because of the Democrats' overreach and what they're actually trying to do and how repulsive it is to the American people, the congressional generic ballot in CNN is now GOP plus seven. It actually went the other way.
0: Yep. And it's it's the overall in RCP is um, GOP plus three and a half, which is, you know, when you realize that anything above a D plus five for Republicans is good news, uh, you're into red wave territory. The which- 2010 midterms after Obamacare,
1: in which the GOP took 63 House seats, still had a congressional
0: generic ballot of D plus two. That's you. You're you, we are firmly, firmly in Red Wave territory, Dwayne. Um, do, you, uh, do do we have time for uh, Chief Warren? <laughs> let's go ahead and let's go ahead and listen to uh, Chief Warren, as uh, a, as Dwayne puts it, on the on the necessity of minding the majority. I, I love this clip. This is great. It's pretty fun. Here we go. Here we go. Is it playing? No, it's fascinating. To look at uh, oh, at at at, at three, at, at three dark cows uh, at midnight. Let me yeah. Let me go back to here. What's that line from The Big Lebowski? Darkness enveloped me. and like. There you, you go. Okay. Do you, do you see her now? Yes. Here we go. I believe in
1: democracy, and I don't believe that the minority should have the ability to block things that the majority want to do. That's not the Constitution. What we're talking about right now are the individual rights and liberties of half the population of the United States of America. I think that's enough to say it's
2: time to get rid of the filibuster. We need to protect voting rights. We need to protect women's rights. And understand this, Mitch McConnell has made clear, they're coming after everybody. So we need to do this, get it on the board.
1: Okay, so so first of all, first of all, the minority, the minority
0: shouldn't block the majority. What was the vote yesterday? <laughs> wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it forty-nine fifty-one? It was forty-nine fifty-one. It was indeed forty-nine fifty. A majority of people were against the a majority so of the Senate the majority, were against the bill.
1: So the majority position actually carried the day in the Senate.
0: Yes, it actually it actually was the majority that won. By defeating a bill that only the minority supported, and so when it's framed by media and it's framed by
1: Chief Warren as this is why we have to block the filibuster, um, the filibuster didn't come into play. They, they even if the even if this was a a simple majority vote and we did not have a cloture uh, vote here, it still fails.
0: Well, I, and I think I, I think to be um, to be accurate. This was a procedural vote. I think it was a cloture vote that failed. Right. But, but, but but even, even if it got, even, even if they had even if they had waived it, right? Even, and it went right. to a floor even, vote. Even yeah. Even if the, even if this were
1: a simple majority vote, and there were and there were no filibuster, there were no cloture vote necessary. And this was a straight up or down vote on her bill. It still fails.
0: Yep. By the way, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Thank You for Smoking. Uh yes, I have. Okay. That very first part of uh, Elizabeth Warren's uh, thing, they're talking about democracy, which was, you know, that's hilarious in the context of losing a vote 4951 anyway, but it reminded me of the girls' report near the end when they're doing the reports in school, we have to have democracy because without democracy, we wouldn't have democracy.
1: <laughs> it's, and, and again, if the Dobbs decision holds, doesn't that result in... A lot more Democracy. Direct
0: democracy in all 50 states. It, it results in legislation legislatures, excuse me, setting American policy on something that the Constitution doesn't speak to, which is the way it should have been 49 years ago. Right, it never should re- have even re- gotten to this point. Re- representative democracy, right? Right, representative right. democracy. And if you need any, if you need any evidence about how badly Roe has warped the relationship between um, the, ver- the between the the three branches of government. All you need to do is look at the pressure campaign that's being aimed at justices homes yes. uh, because people are essentially lobbying justices to to choose a policy which is nothing should never happen in and, and, in our constitutional form of government and then at the tail
1: end of that clip chief warren says and, and if you just look at mitch mcconnell he's already signaled that he's coming after us on everything did not mitch mcconnell say from the senate floor for about the millionth time that i am not going to blow up the legislative filibuster on the abortion issue or anything else yeah so when 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 he means come after um that's only if there's 65 republicans
0: yeah it's it's not gonna happen not gonna happen
1: right so I, i i don't i don't and again when you look at what they're actually trying to accomplish and how they're actually trying to frame the issue I mean, Robert Francis O'Rourke, uh, I, I still refuse to call a grown man Beto because Beto uh, in Spanish translates to Irish. Uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke uh, tried to make the claim on The View yesterday saying, well, me, what? You, you, you want me to tell you if I've got limits on abortion of any kind? Well, I just believe in Roe and, and a woman's right to choose all the, way up to, all the way up to the end, which is not what Roe did. No, it's not what Casey
0: not, did. Yeah. Neither of those, neither of those decisions so, would have resulted in that. So, so
1: through their own incompetence and through their own um, uh, attempt overreach, to, 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 overreach to, to placate their base, they've lost the American people on this. Yep. Uh, the, the American people aren't for, them for,
0: for the moment. Both parties really don't represent the mainstream of American opinion on this. But the nice thing about this is that both parties are eventually going to have to start to try to do it. Because the era, the era of performative, the era of performative politics is
1: over. On this, I, I will, I will make the partisan statement though, uh, in saying that the issue is coming to the Republicans more yes. than it is to the Democrats. Oh, I agree. Now, I agree. Now, uh, the Republicans and the pro-life movement would be very tactically smart to take the win that's coming to them and take the incrementalism that's coming to them instead of trying to stake out the absolute uh absolutist article uh, uh or position well, I think, it's still good to push for it
0: yeah i mean it's it, it, again this gets back to the hearts and minds thing and the and the but uh, when, and, and and the pro-life take, movement take the is oriented
1: to that right take take the wins you're getting and keep working on hearts and minds of, of those
0: remaining right exactly uh we're out of time but um I, just very quickly Supreme Court is meeting for the very first time uh, today. Today, right? Since the leak, right? I'm sure that's going to be fun. Uh, this will probably go up after the conference is over. So, I mean, by the time this the, the podcast is actually up, will probably already the answer. To this will probably already be out there. Do you expect uh, a per curiam order today, a, sort of an ex parte queren, uh move to to rule on Dobbs? and issue the I,
1: opinions later. You see, that's that's Hugh's position that it should happen. And what I think I think Roberts would probably not want to do that. However, I think Alito and the block of five that are solid are going to probably uh, my guess is Alito wants it out and 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 just be done with it. Well, you I know, think
0: if, that I think that once it gets out all the all the Ruth sent us crap comes to an end at least at some point. Because the reason why they're out there is they're trying to intimidate the judges into changing their position. Yep. So once the, yep. once the decision is out, all that comes to an end. It's they might the, still fulminate, right. but, you know, the, but but but
1: but right to the damage is done to them. Right. right. So if I'm Alito, I've already I, I'm talking to the other four and I'm saying and, and I'm telling them and I'm telling the chief, look, you may you may not want to do this, but we're going to we're going to drop the five. You know, we still are the majority on the on this court uh five three one if, if this is what if the decision is going to be you're welcome on board chief if you want to come but uh we're going to release this and, and decisions to follow but but this is the order
0: yep i think that i mean i think it's a smart move we'll see if it happens i think so too i we'll think see if, i think so
1: too we'll see if it amy, happens amy coney barrett even though there was there was only you know six handmade tales uh, protesting her house she's got more people in her own house and her family than protested her but I digress. I'm sure Amy
0: Coney Barrett's like, uh, release, release. A decision. Let's get, let, let's let's get this over with. Yeah. Let's right. rip the Band-Aid off. Clarence fully.
1: Thomas. Yeah. Let's 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 get it done. Yeah.
0: Let's let's rip the Band-Aid off fully and uh, we can we can release the opinions later, but let's get the decision out there. All right. What's coming up quickly? What's coming up on tomorrow's Hugh Hewitt show? What's coming up on t- uh, and uh, and tonight's after show?
1: Tonight's after show, we're going to cover a little bit more of the uh, impact of the uh, inflation number, uh, you know, the the PPI number. I guarantee you, Democrats will say something. If Joe Biden gives in their speech today and goes three days in a row, dear Lord, you know, I'm going to have it. Um, All that's going to happen. It's just just basically me in the news uh, today on the after show. As far as on the Hewitt show tomorrow, we will have a conversation with Larry Arne, which we're actually going to be taping right about now, uh, in, in just a few minutes, and that's going to be pretty much a decision on, or, or uh, a discussion on the Dobbs thing and that whole thing from kind of a 30,000 foot level uh, with uh, Dr. Arn of Hillsdale College, so that's actually going to be a really fascinating conversation, we're going to do a lot about that. Um, Tomorrow, also, we're going to have a conversation with uh, Admiral Stav, uh, James Stavridis. Great stuff. And uh, we will have a um, kind of a lefty, righty, center-right uh, law discussion of what we think is going to happen if they do release this decision uh, between uh, Jonathan Adler and Stephen Valdeck, uh, two great law professors. Um, so we'll do that uh, discussion as
0: well tomorrow. Excellent. Well, that's coming up at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, 5 a.m. in God's Time Zone, 3 a.m. on the left coast, HughHewitt.com. But you can go to the Universe to watch the show, which is what you should be doing, H-U-G-H-N-I-V-E-R-S-E.com. And uh, Dwayne Jolene and Samuel Patterson, we'll talk again next week, sir. We will indeed. Thanks, guys. All right. Stay tuned for more from The Ed Morrissey Show coming up next. welcome back to the ed morrissey show podcast edition i am really happy to uh, reintroduce one of my really good friends king banyan of saint cloud state university uh, and the economics department there he's also a uh broadcaster in the twin cities for uh the salem affiliate there uh the businessman is uh, and i i always forget it's kycr but i always forget the um the frequency what's what's the frequency kenneth
3: AM 1440 uh, KYCR uh, Twin Cities Business Radio. You find us at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com.
0: TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com, and that's every Saturday, by the way. And I've been a guest on his show. It's a lot of fun. You should, you should be, you should be uh, listening to it. Or if you're really lucky, you can be a, you can be a guest on it. But uh, I, oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm this the only person who can be lucky in that regard, King.
3: Well, I've had other guests actually are having a guest on, we're having a guest on Saturday one of uh, Nathan Lewis who's a co-author of a book with Steve Forbes on inflation will be on the show Saturday um so that's that I'm looking forward to that conversation and maybe that's a nice segue to what we want to talk about I, I was just gonna say it's like you're a
0: radio guy you know how to do the segue <laughs> man this is this is amazing of course King was my was my partner in radio for several years in the Twin Cities when I was part of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. He's still there. That's part of what the gig is for um, KYCR 1440, uh, TwinCitiesBusiness.com. And um, King is here to talk about the the, um, latest, the latest and and definitely not the greatest, um, Consumer Price Index Inflation Report and the complete incoherence of Joe Biden's economic policies, I mean, they must have known that it wasn't going to be good because they were out front last couple of days at the White House uh, trotting out the the GOP hasn't solved inflation talking point, that it's Vladimir Putin's talking point all over again, everything. But I mean, even the White House had to clarify later after Joe Biden's remarks, King, that Yes, the president re- recognizes that he's actually the president and that Democrats are actually in charge of Congress. That's how bad that the, the blame throwing is getting over at the White House.
3: I mean, it turns out it wasn't just Republicans that were at fault, even though they controlled not neither chamber of Congress nor the White House. But it was the super-de-duper MAGA Republicans. Um, I think that's what he called them. Uh, but... but uh, <laughs> But I mean, yeah. I watched. The, I didn't watch the speech, but I read the. I read the transcript, and and uh, it's kind of shocking um, what what uh, was in that. We could talk about that, or first, or you want to talk about? No, maybe, let's uh, let's the, talk, Let's talk, about talk about about the numbers this morning. Let's talk about the numbers this morning. The yeah. um, the CPI came
0: in at year-on-year uh, 8.3 year, percent increase in uh, consumer prices. Month-on-month month, 0.3, but in a sort of an interesting reversal. Core inflation, which is you know the 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 inflation minus food and energy, actually went up 0.6 uh, percent month on month, double the rate from last last month because there was an artificially induced dip in gasoline prices in uh, in um, April. And this, I think, and, and of course we've already seen the gas prices blow past the record now in May, so that right. that's no longer going to be um, holding here, but. You had, I was actually surprised at how little there was of this, but there were a few, there were a few media outlets that were saying, oh, you know, um, inflation has, um, has lessened (laughs) going from 8.5 to 8.3 without apparently anybody realizing that A, it hasn't actually lessened. The rate of increase might have slowed incrementally, but it's still going up and B,
3: what the basis um, comparison does to this right so i think yeah the the headline number went to 8.3 from 8.5 and normally normally in past months when we said don't pay attention to the headline number when we wanted to look at core core wasn't going up um and and I felt like saying, so would this be transitory deflation if we went from 8.5 to 8.3? <laughs> I, I suspect that's probably not going to be what they use. But, 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 Ed, one of the things that I like to look at, there is a couple of publications from the Cleveland Federal Reserve, which does a couple of measurements called median CPI which just says, if I take all of the price increases for all of the goods in CPI, right? And there's a actually a great piece in the Wednesday Morning Wall Street Journal about how you actually go out and measure and people actually writing down the prices and making sure they're measuring exactly the right thing. So there's an example in there about, about measuring the price of a can of chicken noodle soup uh, in there. And it was really a good story. If you take all those Prices, and you take all that information they have in, and you take the median, which we teach our students, right? That's the one that's smack dab in the middle. Right. That that rate, median CPI, went from 4.9 percent in March to 5.2 percent in April. Okay. Now this might be breaking news, particularly if you get your news from from traditional media, because I'm chances are no one's going to report median CPI. On the front page of the new york times tomorrow um even though i think they have very good e- economic writers they actually did the a page. good job today they actually, they didn't actually do, a do, a job. do a really good yeah. job i like the new york times reporters uh uh generally speaking but my guess is that one's not going to make it into the into the front page uh and and even i mean i i fished around for some other things look in some sense what happened was really we painted the tape this morning with a substantial drop in the price of of motor fuel a substantial drop therefore in the price of transportation services you know in a month okay those two items took about half a percent by by my rough calculation took half a percent off the year over year number um you had a big you had a spike up in airline fares and i think this is the bigger story yet the bigger story is really people are traveling people are consuming services and as they consume those services you're seeing these prices begin to go up in those areas i mean that spike in air airline fares you might think it's gas and oil but my my look if prices were going up and people weren't traveling those airline fares would not be increasing you'd either be canceling those flights or you would just hold the price and you would hold the price steady it's going up because people want to get on planes again people are traveling people want I mean you got 2 years of pent up vacations right right people could get on the plane and 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 I you know what I'm a good free market fundamentalist I have no problem with an airline saying you know shoot I could get an extra 10% uh for that for that seat I'm going to I'm going to take advantage of that I don't have a problem with that I know I know I know President Biden did. That's one of his reasons. That's one of the things he said is, what was the problem was, we're gouging people. We're charging too much. It's like, you know what? When demand goes up, which you help through your policies, President Biden. Yep. When demand goes up, guess what? We teach in that first economics course. That typically means that prices rise. And that's exactly what happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is part of, I want to get to this when we get to the Biden's press conference. But, you know, the the idea that somehow Um, the 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 reason why gas prices are going up is because republicans haven't come up with a good energy policy is sort of laughable because what actually happened was that biden restricted the ability to produce supply while demand was going up and so the obvious thing that happens again econ 101 you've restricted supply demand is still going up what happens to price? Well, it, yeah. it, it goes up and it goes up a lot if you do if you do a lot of restrictions, which is exactly where we're at. But back to these numbers, I mean, the one thing that I want to talk a little bit about that I don't think gets enough attention, and I, I did write about it today, is the year on year numbers, what the basis for those year on year numbers are. Now, if you have a small spate of inflation, you know, like over a few months, which is what this was supposed to be when it started, right? Transitory and all that. Um you don't run into this. the The year-on-year year numbers are actually fairly reliable, but we're actually going into now a period in which um, inflation was rising a year ago past the Fed's you know danger level of two percent a year. Uh, I think it was just over four percent, like four point one, four point two percent in April of last year, and the year-on-year year number now that we saw today for April two thousand twenty-two is eight point three percent over that. 4.2 percent. Right. So we're we're now entering a a, a a an area now where those numbers are actually underestimating what the impact of inflation is. The year-on-year number is actually somewhat underestimating it because it's not accounting for the fact that it's based on inflation, uh, you know, uh, on on high inflation numbers. And that, to me, I think is something that hardly anybody's talking about is the that basis comparison issue.
3: Well, I think I think the way to get at that that problem is to think about what it means in terms of what's happening with your wages, right? So if right. I compare if I compare what I was getting paid for work to what I can buy with it. Certainly a year ago, it was pretty pretty clear that many workers, particularly in the lower at the lower wage levels were receiving substantial increases in wages at that time, even when inflation was running back then, it was running at about 4%. Now that we're at the double that number, wages haven't gone up by that much. And you would have to say that over the last year, except for those at the very bottom levels of the income distribution, you've seen a decline in, in the in the ability of your wage to buy the bundle of goods and services that you're used to buying. Yeah. You actually are short of the money that you would have thought you'd have. That's that's a significant problem Uh, uh, in terms of how I think the administration wants to talk about inflation. I mean, when, when you see them write about the fact that, you know, when I read what they're writing, I mean, this is the point where I thought perhaps the federal reserve would have acted sooner. And certainly the fed's going to get bashed even by the Biden white house. Um, I think over time, Um, it's kind of interesting. They probably have the worst possible spokesperson to bash the bash the Fed in Janet Yellen, since she's the previous chair. Um, Right. Right. And you would have to, and she's been very, I mean, I I would say if she could have chosen her own successor, she would have chosen Jay Powell Um, anyway. So I think, that your your point about about this is coming layering on top of increases before mean, team transitory I, I thought had been put away six months ago but they seem to have revived it with the ukraine war and potentially and i think probably with some justification what's happening in china uh with shutdowns of the of the of the uh, uh shipping facilities in in the uh, southeast of the country uh, I think that's a. I think they're seeing, and I actually would say they probably are experiencing some additional supply-side inflation. But it, but a lot of this is a lot of this was certainly helped by their own policies of promo, both the Fed in terms of being slow to raise rates and end quantitative easing, and by the federal government, Congress. Passing a a passing a bill in March of 2021 and then passing another bill, the basic infrastructure bill, which might have a lot of good things on it, but spends a lot of money really fast and actually is also contributing to inflation. And, you know, let's just imagine what would have happened if Joe Manchin hadn't hadn't been, you know, standing athwart the Democratic Party saying stop from an additional six trillion dollars of spending.
0: Right. You know, and, and again, this gets back to the Thomas. Uh, we talked about the Thomas Honig, um piece that Politico ran. I think it was in February, or March of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I mean, that is, I think, well worth, well worth reading continually when you're looking at these numbers because he is the one who is really laid out that infl- the inflation that we're experiencing now has been is the result of federal reserve policies that go all the way back to 2010 really 2009 uh that he was opposed to on the basis of uh, of this particular result and he was warning that you're that, that that the monetary expansions called the quantitative um uh quantitative easings um were uh going to create asset bubbles they were going to create bubbles in the economy it was going to eventually lead to an, uh, inflation uh if you had you know if if you had a catalyst for it if somebody struck a match to the tinder and larry summers of course in february very famously warned that the american rescue plan that joe biden was pushing in uh, february of last year i should say was, was exactly was exactly the match and um and the previous COVID relief bills were the tinder. And they were going they ran the risk of overheating the economy, spiking demand at a point where supply wasn't wasn't in place, and touching off a massive inflationary cycle, which the White House then, of course, scoffed at, and here we are. It's not just Biden, right? My point is it's not just Biden. This is really a monetary expansion issue that's been going on for a dozen years. However, I think it's good to revisit why the Fed felt compelled to do that. Um, and the reason why the Fed felt, felt compelled to do that was because the policies pursued by the Obama administration in the wake of the uh, financial uh, crisis in 2008 were no-growth policies, right? You know, an expansion of uh, of regulation, an expansion of uh, taxes and expansion of subsidies to targeted um targeted industries and targeted um you know targeted recipients um and uh and, and sort of a uh more of a shift to central economic control and when the recovery wasn't going well the federal reserve i think really and maybe you can correct me on this ben bernanke really felt pushed into using monetary policy to fix what was wrong with the economy because the policies that were coming out of the Obama administration simply were counterproductive to that. And those policies were pursued until Donald Trump came in office, reversed them, and we saw actual organic growth.
3: Yeah, I think what you saw, so few things that you have in there. First of all, the Tom Honig piece in uh, February in Politico is wonderful. And he also, if you wanna get the fuller version of that, Christopher Leonard's article, the uh, book, I should say, *The Lords of Easy Money*, is fabulous, and it focuses on Honig's career, uh, and then and then interweaves that into that whole that, that that whole piece. The Fed actually did do two, did three rounds of quantitative easing, and at some point, Bernanke decides eh, maybe it's time to start pulling this back. Tries to in the moment and ends up with uh, ends up having of course we remember the taper tantrum uh that the, that was had there i think one thing that we forget in that process is they actually didn't do quantitative easing for a long time in the united states but while we were not quantitative easing when we weren't europe was going through almost like a double dip of the recession from 2008 2009 and they did a whole lot of quantitative easing. Mario Draghi, the head of the ECB at the time, saying we're going to do whatever it takes to bring this economy back, and whatever it take, took was trillions of euros, in in easy in additional financing, so that when we got to, I mean, but the problem here is that that you know what got us here, what got us there was the fact that that and this is what Honig points out we did so much quantitative easing we built a much more fragile financial system one that was was actually functionally dependent on easy money from the fed to an extent the fed didn't even understand right really uh uh, there's an episode i I don't want to go this is a bit of a rabbit hole for what you want to talk about so i won't go too far into it but there was an episode in september of 2019 this is an important date Mm Uh, because it's just a few months before we get to 2020, and so it's fresh in the Fed's mind. But there was an episode where all of a sudden the money market really shook, and this is in this. I think this is in both that Politico piece and in Leonard's book, uh, talking about the fact that all of a sudden short-term money market rates spiked. Nobody understood why, except they thought, "Oh my gosh, we thought we had a lot of extra money in the system." but the market's acting like they don't have enough reserves to do their daily business. So they crushed a bunch of money into the system then. And that's why when March, 2020 happens and the market begins to get shaky again, it's basically, they just find it, it, Their decision was basically we will buy any asset anybody puts in front of us and we will print money to pay for it. Um, that world was there and it's almost, it's in that same few week period between March 15th and April 15th that we get the, we get the first uh, the care, we get the care act, cares act. Right. From, from Congress. And that's that, all of that kindling and we threw, I mean, it's not, kindling is probably not, not the right word for it. We, <laughs> we, we threw a downpour of gasoline yeah. onto a smoldering fire and you know, I, the, the other thing I'd say before, before, and this be my last point is, yeah, I, I give a lot of credit to Larry Summers for saying that. Saying that, but you know, the the Biden administration tried to sideline Larry Summers and say, hey, this is just this one guy; he's not really saying anything. The person that got me believing, oh, there's some real dissension going on even amongst the policy leaders here was when Jason Furman, yep, I want to say like May or June of 2021 on a cnbc panel that they do on a jo- when they do the jobs report on that first friday of the month basically said larry's right we've got a real problem here You're, we're spending too much because this was the point where they were talking about the bipartisan in- infrastructure plan and they were talking about the uh, um i don't know what's the word we use for the build, 6- back, better. build, build back, back better better, yeah. right they when they were doing both of those things it was it was Furman of all people a biden cea chair who says that's too much you really are playing with fire now well it turns out the fire had already been started right yeah
0: well let's talk about the biden administration's um policies i mean we we can talk about this these idiotic press conferences this week saying nothing right blaming republicans because republicans won't approve even more spending when spending is really the issue here um and uh, do you see any any evidence at all that the Biden administration is actually thinking about substantive policy to respond to these to to this inflation because i mean inflation's going to just erode their political standing even further than it already has the longer it continues the worse it gets for them um but uh, you know, I, I don't see anything of that sort. I still see the same excuses and the same gimmicks, like strategic petroleum reserve releases, which you know gave them a, a, what two weeks worth of uh, relief yeah. at the gas pumps, and it's back over the record now again.
3: Yeah, no, there's nothing in there. I mean, I mean, in the in the uh, press release that came with the Biden uh, press conference and. I, I'm just going to set aside the press conference. I didn't watch it. I read it. I didn't watch it. So I don't have, I, it sounds like it was bad, but I, I, I have nothing to offer on that. But I will say what they put out was, you know, the release of the, uh, the money release of the strategic petroleum reserve, which frankly all that really does is mean we're going to push up the price later. Cause you got to refill the reserve. Right. And it, it kills off some of the incentive for oil producers and oil exploration companies to go drill more. Right? You don't have right. to drill more now because we're gonna we're gonna tap this reserve instead. So you've kicked that off yet another six months. Uh, and they say, well exploration won't put anything online now. Look, prices in the future influence prices in the present. Right? What I expect okay, when I when someone asked me why did the price go up or price go down at the pump here in St. Cloud, what I tell them is, don't ask me how much it costs for the oil they produced or the or the gas that's in the tank right now. You're trying to forecast what's going to cost for me to replace the gas when the tank is empty, right? right? And 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 frankly, right. frankly, frankly, what's happening is next winter our prices will be higher because unless Congress passes a bill and the and the president signs it they 've got to refill the s p r so he says that he says he says, "Look, you should pass my clean energy plan and and, and so forth and and he wants people to switch to electric cars let 's increase you know let 's increase our uh, the the, uh, the, gas, the the cafe standards so the gas the car average fuel efficiency standards right. he wants those picked up too um He's doing a lot of things that that are actually not just not solving the problem, but in fact, I think making things worse by subsidizing demand. You're making things worse. So when you say "Oh, prescription bills are too high, so we're going to give you some extra money to pay those prescription bills. You've just made things worse, not better. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you, you,
0: again, this gets back to the Obama administration. They're the same things. Right. Right. It, it, it's the exact same policy response. And the only difference is is that the fed no longer has the elasticity to cover for it by with monetary policy in fact they're going to have to go the opposite direction because now we've kicked off this massive inflation and they're they're back to the the same position they're just on the other side of that position that they were in in 2009 which is that they're looking at an administration that whose whose economic policy is either incoherent or counterproductive and monetary policy is the only game in town unfortunately inflation is the highest priority now so you're going to see a bunch of interest rate hikes they're they're certainly not done with this they're probably going to have to do a volcker like you know at least at some point it will amount to a volcker like intervention here that's going to force a recession because it's the only way i think that they're going to be able to, to quell the inflation that's going on right now and that's going to be an even bigger disaster for for us you know for overall i mean i don't like recessions um, but also for you know democrats and the biden administration it's gonna be an utter disaster for them
3: yeah and 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 i've been listening i spent uh, about a half hour this morning going through all the speeches that Federal reserve governors and presidents have been giving over the last week since the meeting last week in that 50 basis point rise and to a person they're saying there's more 50 basis point increases coming uh, and when they 're asked you know where do you think this is going to stop most of them believe that they 're actually going to have to take the rate above three percent and here 's what 's interesting yet if you take a look what 's happening in the market right now, the reason the markets are going down is because I think the I think uh, the markets got caught a little flat footed particularly after uh, Jay Powell, who by the way still hasn 't been confirmed as chair of the fed right uh, which is i think i I find fascinating they they uh, uh, took care of the Lisa Cook nomination yesterday, but they still have it. They, they're, they're sort of letting Jay twist a little in the wind right now. Um, but they're all, Jay Paul says, no, I'm not going to do a 75 basis point increase. And it's the one question that you can just tell these presidents and governors don't want to answer when they're yeah. asked this question. Uh, they're like, mm, well, we're going to, it's going to depend on the data. It's going to depend on the data. It's going to depend on the data, which is their way of saying, I don't know. Maybe, right. maybe not. We're um, going to keep our options open, is what they're saying. We're going to keep our options open, right? Yep. Uh, and, and meanwhile, they've got to look at they've got to look at the White House and realize they're the only game in town when the when the president is out saying that his cure for inflation is to tell corporations not to charge too much and ask the wealthy to pay their fair share, okay, when that's what he hears as the only initiatives that they're going other than, oh, that crazy Rick Scott, he's got he's got a crazy idea that, to raise taxes. Guess what? Raising taxes would probably actually help reduce inflation, okay? No one wants to say that because it's bad in an election season, but... Yep. It, it would actually help, uh, if you know, uh, but the only the only offer that you're getting from these folks is getting from the White House is is, uh, you know, is to lower price pressure by jawboning down prices. And honestly, you know, and you and I were chatting on Twitter yesterday and I think I, I put up a picture of the old whip inflation now buttons from Gerald Ford. <laughs> that felt like a win speech to me. That felt like the Ford speech from 1975. Yeah. It was,
0: it's a good analogy. It's, <laughs>
3: it, you know, it, 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 and, and my thought is, you know, that one didn't turn out well for President Ford. I don't think this is going to turn out well for President Biden either. I don't either.
0: King, we're going to let it go on that note. Whip inflation now, the fabulous return 47 years later of whip inflation now. I am um, I am ordering my W-I-N button as we speak, but uh, only ironically. And King, one more time, where can people find you and where can people find your show?
3: Well, I am available uh, through the School of Public Affairs here at St. Cloud State. I've worked at St. Cloud State since 1984. You can find us at stcloudstate.edu slash SOPA for School of Public Affairs. Uh, I'm available. Uh, I'm available uh, also on Twitter at Prof Banyan for my for my uh, academic stuff. For my radio show stuff, it's at Banyan Show, and you can hear the King Banyan Show Saturdays, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. King Banyan, thanks so much for being with us. Great stuff. We're going to keep coming back to you
0: on this inflation stuff all year long. I can tell you that right now. Stay tuned for more from the Ed Morrissey show coming up right after this. This is Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com for town hall. It is time to heed the constitution. Justice Samuel Alito wrote in his purloined Dobbs draft and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. Justices only have to look outside their doors to find evidence of Alito's conclusion that Roe warped the constitutional form of self-governance and his wisdom in warning of the consequences of rule by judicial fiat. President Biden, his press secretary Jen Psaki, and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, among others, have either encouraged or refused to discourage angry demonstrations outside the homes of Supreme Court justices. These protests actually violate federal law, as Congress recognized at one time that political lobbying has no place in judicial proceedings, especially when used to intimidate jurists. Biden and Schumer want to force the judiciary into the role of a super legislature. Justice Alito wants to return it to its proper constitutional role. The mobs sent by Democrats to intimidate the justices prove the critical need for Alito to prevail. I'm Ed Morrissey. welcome back to the ed morrissey show podcast edition i am speaking to one of my really good friends in in the biz christian toto of hollywood uh, hollywoodandtoto.com he's on twitter at hollywood and toto he's got a great conservative take on the entertainment industry but also just a smart takes on all sorts of different issues uh, especially box office and we're coming up to the I don't know about what it's like for you uh, in uh, in Colorado, Christian, but here in Texas, we're already getting summer heat. So I'm I'm starting to wonder what the summer
2: blockbuster season's going to look like here. Yeah, we're getting a little bit of it right here. Denver's kind of up and down with this time of year. But uh, yeah, it's looking and feeling a bit normal for box office, which I Interesting. I was a little skeptical about. I mean, you know, Doctor Strange, the sequel, did very, very well. Uh, the Batman has done extremely well. We've seen some mid-sized films, which have kind of... Uh, Threatened to flirt with the 100 million mark. That's a good sign as well. So, you know, I, I don't think we're all the way back. I I, I worry about the more adult minded films, the Oscar bait movies, and, and how they'll survive. But uh, there is a partial comeback here. So that's good to, good to report.
0: It is. And, you know, you and I have talked a lot about this over the last two years. And I was sort of predicting that the pandemic and the lockdowns were going to be the death knell of the cinema because. Um, And we had discussed even prior to that, that the Mm -hmm. home theater experience is so good now that I thought that it would be tough for cinemas to compete. And apparently uh, sort of like the um, sort of like Mark Twain, you know, the the reports of the of the cinema's demise turned out to be somewhat um, exaggerated.
2: Yeah. And one interesting note is that, you know, Netflix was going to help lead the way out of the theatrical jungle by having all these new movies the big movie stars and i think they'll continue to do so but they've been hammered by very bad financial news in the last few weeks so i don't know if they're going to be able to keep throwing money at these big stars like they did back in the day so that's an interesting wrinkle as well if, if some of these streamers can't stand up and kind of give people the alternative then it does help out the theaters and, and makes them better able to compete
0: well, I also think that they're going to be helped out now when that things are really starting to reopen and the mask mandates are starting to fall. It helps that it's the summer, right? And yeah. the summer is, uh, first off, in most places, warm weather it usually means lower viral transmission. So that's A, that's one thing. But also B, you're looking at a slate of movies in any season, in any year, right? That That is really going to appeal to younger viewers and really are sort of the must-see on big screen events. And Doctor Strange, of course, is the first of these. So, you know, Doctor Strange, I think it's just been released, right? Yeah, just a few days ago. So I think that that will help prepare or, or maybe plow the road here for cinemas to return to some version of normality and I'd be honest with you I'm looking for something that I can go see in the theaters just so I can experience that again my wife isn't <laughs> as my wife isn't as enthusiastic but you know I'm, I'm living in a new area I'd like to go see what the, there's a local theater here local cinema I'd like kind of like to check that out and see what it's like I'm just looking for the right um I'm just looking for the right movie to do that with but
2: I don't think Dr. Strange is going to be it because I'm not really much of a Marvel Universe guy yeah I don't think so either I always kind of had mixed feelings about it it's not the strongest effort it's a lot of CGI, a lot of razzle dazzle with with a not as great a story to back it up. So uh, your best bet may be coming out later this month, which is Top Gun Maverick, which has been delayed and delayed and redelayed and super delayed because of the pandemic. We'll see. you know, I actually am very really curious how well it does because, you know, for people in our age bracket, mature, wise, sophisticated. <laughs> you know we, we live through the first film and we kind of loved it for all its gooiness and you know is is that gonna you know carry forth i mean are today's kids clamoring to see more tom cruise and top gun i'm not convinced we shall see but it it should be spectacle movie making big aerial sequences it's the kind of movie that i think you're talking about going back to the theater so we shall see you know it's interesting because i wasn't a huge fan of the first movie nor am i i
0: mean i just wasn't it's interesting um and I gotta tell you, I mean, this is this is funny because I was 22, right? It was 1985, right, or was it 1986? 86, I'm pretty 86. sure. 86. So I was 23 years old, right, when it came out. That's how long ago that this has been, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I'll tell you what really kind of triggered it for me. First off, was just sort of the the cliche. It's it's filled with cliches. I mean, this is a movie that uh, Top Gun, the original Top Gun, is just filled with cliches. But what really got it for me was that whole sex scene with Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis and the backlit tongues and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not even that I'm a prude, right? I mean, I've seen movies that have more than that, but I just thought it was <laughs> really sort of a bizarre thing to focus in on. I mean, I guess maybe I was, in 1986, maybe I was a proto-prude. I have no idea. But I just, yeah. it, it, it turned me off. And and the you know, the whole predictable you know everything was predictable in that movie so I, it was okay and I, i've watched it since and it's still okay i mm-hmm. like some of the actors in it uh val kilmer i think was one of the was one of the better actors in it but to, uh, overall i, I sort of liked uh hot shots was it hot shots part do that um... <laughs> no it was hot, it was the first hot shots i actually liked hot shots better than i liked
2: top gun because <laughs> it was actually on purpose they were actually trying to make us laugh as opposed right. to yeah uh... All the cliches yeah i i it's not my movie either even though it's of my generation but you know tom Cruise was big movie star back then you had danger zone and you had I uh, take my breath away great yep. songs so it, it was kind of this confluence you know reagan's america you name it it was in there uh you know pretty people it's hard to hard to fight that and you know cruz was really at his sort of cocksure best at that point yep. you could do no wrong good looking guy you know, all the attitude, all the all, all the gravitas that he had and he could act as well. So, you know, it, it, it kind of hit the right spot. And that's really hard to replicate. And, um, yep. you know, I wrote a piece on my site recently about that was such a patriotic, rah, rah, go America movie. You can't make that anymore that's for sure so uh you know this is going to be a different beast i'm actually seeing it this week it comes out later this month though you know it's interesting
0: and i read your piece at hollywoodandtoto.com and everybody should go read his piece at hollywoodandtoto.com that and many others Um, uh, he's got other contributors there to do a fine job of uh, doing reviews and and covering some of the issues and i agree with you i don't think you can make that kind of a patriotic film mm-hmm. anymore and it's certainly not a reagan's america sort of thing and even tom cruise <laughs> as you point out was uh-huh. saying that he didn't want to do a sequel or any sequels because he felt that this was it. it would be basically sort of doing this sort of jingoistic thing over and over again, sort of like the, what was it the Iron Eagle series, which was yeah unabashedly yeah yeah sure, sure. So I mean I I get that. I also think Tom Cruise is underrated as an actor. I think people I think people make the mistake of confusing his personal life with mm-hmm. his with his professional talent. He's a very talented guy and he. You know, he, is, is he a niche actor to a certain extent? Yeah, but he can do comedy. He can do drama. He's mm-hmm. proven it. And, you know, he just he happens to do a lot of action films and he's really good at it. And I mean, I'd watch it. I think I think I think that one I might want to wait until it comes onto the home screen television, though, just because mm-hmm. I think that we're going to get sort of my guess is we're going to get sort of a politically correct, watered down, you know, sort of woke. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be somewhat woke just because Uh, of
2: who's making this stuff. You know, interesting, a couple of thoughts there. I think you're 100% right about Tom Cruise. He's a very good actor. I also think he's a genuine movie star, which is sort of that in this, you can't really pin it down what it is, but you know when you see it. Also, he doesn't make a lot of bad, bad movies. I I thought his Mummy film was terrible, but I think he's one of these guys who's very in charge, very hands-on, very involved with his films. And I think he's got a pretty good sense, a little bit like Clint Eastwood of, what people want, and not not giving us garbage. So, having said all that, I, I agree the film can't be the Reagan era movie. But I also think that his recent films really aren't too ro- woke. I mean, there may be moments here or there with the new movie, but I, I think he's gonna he'd be the guy on set who has all the power to say, hey, maybe this isn't the direction. Maybe, well, maybe we'll kind of cut that out of the script. I I could be wrong. You know, we'll find out soon. But I. I don't think he's your go-to woke guy. I think his sensibilities are, sh- are kind of sharper than that. Well, we're going to talk a little bit
0: more about woke. We're going to talk about Brian Cox. And there's another piece mm-hmm. that you wrote over at Hollywoodandtoto.com. But before we get off of that, uh, let's let's talk about what else is coming out at the box office over the next few weeks. Doctor Strange, obviously the big tent tentpole. Um, yep. uh, and of course, Top Gun Maverick, which has been anticipated for years. Mm-hmm. But what
2: else is coming out? What What, what should we be looking forward to? There's a new movie called men it's sort of a folky horror movie It comes out in a few weeks his director is alex garland who's done some interesting work i think he was the director of D- uh X Max thing. i always get the name wrong it's a science fiction film Adai, who yeah who yeah. uh creates a robot it's a fascinating under the radar science fiction film it's excellent if you haven't seen it i think he also did annihilation with natalie portman he's a pretty talented fellow so i'm, I'm intrigued by that uh, there's a new Gru Minions movie. The title escapes me, and I, I'm i so burnt out on that entire property. The Minions were cute the first time, and that's it. I, I just can't believe people keep seeing those particular films, but it's for the kiddies. That comes out in a few weeks, and I guess the next biggie is going to be Thor God, uh, Love and Thunder, which is going to have a female Thor. It's going to have Christian Bale as supposedly a great villain. We shall see. That's the buzz. And, uh, you know, Chris Hemsworth is back. And this is Taika Waititi, who's the uh, really talented director. He did uh, Ragnarok. He's done some other good films. He did a movie I love, Jojo Rabbit. So he really does kind of lean into the humor of the Marvel movies. I think that's going to be massive. You know, other than that, though, I, I don't think there's a ton that's that I'm clamoring to see. It's, it's a little bit of a weaker lineup, I think. But we'll see. Maybe people will be so hungry for movie theaters again that it'll it'll kind of wait, uh, you know, override that kind of thing where people say, hey, I
0: just want to go back. Yeah. And again, I mean, I think it's a bit of a fool's errand to look for, you know, adult fair. And mean, when I saying adult, I mean, just aimed at yeah, adults, yeah, yeah. right? I'm not talking about, you know, there's there's another context of adult fair that is perennial. And you, if you're interested in that, you guys know where to find it. You don't need to be talking to Christian or I about that. We That's probably right. don't know anyway. Um, but it's, you know, talking about, you know, mature. Well, I guess that word gets used an awful lot too. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Things that aren't <laughs> aimed at teenagers, things that aren't comic book movies. Yeah. This is a summer. I mean, it's they want to get the kids in the theaters, and yeah. and that's how they make. That's sort of like their their Christmas season, so to speak. It's where mm-hmm. they make their big money, so that they can uh, do some of the arty stuff and some of the more dramatic stuff later on. Uh, so you know i i guess christian what i'm saying is i'm gradually coming to the realization that i'm <laughs> getting i'm becoming a curmudgeon and uh, <laughs> i'm about i'm about two steps away from yelling at kids to stay off my damn lawn but um but yeah i mean i i think that we'll we'll see other smaller films make appearances they're just not sure, going to get sure. a, they're not going to get a ton of um of uh of press at the moment
2: yeah you know and once in a while you do get a kind of a summer sleeper that comes around that kind of is really strong counter programming. I, I i need to double check the lineup i don't nothing jumped out at me when i was looking at sort of the summer preview but it does happen from time to time and you, you do need sort of a, a counterbalance to to the 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 blockbuster the popcorn mentality and i i still enjoy it but i do like that sort of you know kind of change uh, kind of palate cleanser content but really that's September, October, November. That's what those that those months are for the more serious films. So, that eat to each his own season, or her own season. I don't I don't want to judge the <laughs> the gender of the seasons. I think yeah,
0: the there is one that's coming out apparently um, in next month that you and I actually mm-hmm. kind of discussed briefly on Twitter, which is um, Boz Luhrmann's Elvis movie. Apparently, is coming
2: <laughs> next month. Yeah, you know that one. Really, I have to say. Does today's generation care about Elvis? I, I don't a great think question. so I mean it's been he's been such a presence in our lives for decades but I feel like it I haven't it hasn't been that way for about 10 years. again I could be wrong maybe it's time to introduce a new generation to who he was and why he was special. I think that's a I think that's a tough sell. I really do and I and selfishly in a, in a very subjective way, I look at the actor in a fairly unknown name i don't get it i don't get him as elvis i mean you know he's elvis is so distinct it's hard to really capture him so i think this has got a lot of roadblocks against it and probably a pretty big budget too
0: austin butler is uh the one playing elvis thank you thank you you. tom well i'm looking at it i had to look it up i mean um tom hanks is playing colonel tom parker (laughs) that's interesting it is interesting i mean it almost uh sounds like he's going to reprise his role from um that thing you do as (laughs) mr white
2: um uh which I was just watching the other day. It's a fun film. I mean, it's, oh, a- it's a super. It's a super light, lighthearted, good pop music. You know, put your mind at rest. It's that kind of movie, and that's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. But here's
0: here was my <laughs> here was my issue with with this. Not not the idea of having an Elvis movie, because I remember mm. when you know Kurt Russell played Elvis in a TV yeah. movie. It was very well received. It did a great job, by the way, in that. There have been a couple other, you know, Forrest Gump briefly. Uh, depicts an Elvis character I think you see him in some other you know biopics like uh, Walk the Line I think there's a there's a passing uh, a passing depiction of Elvis in one of the road scenes and stuff like that Um, almost like I I mean I don't mean this in any sort of irreverent way but it's almost the way that that Hollywood would depict Jesus Christ up until about the time of the greatest (laughs) story ever told it was always oh you know you know, you, you never actually you never actually get Jesus to talk, but he's over there on the you know on the hilltop. And um, but the reason why I was curious about Boz Luhrmann is because Boz Luhrmann is just such wretched excess. Yeah, I mean Moulin Rouge, just nothing but a deluge of this sort mm-hmm. of you know. Uh, you know, visual and auditory stimuli. It's just, it's it's frenetic. He, he sped the film up so that they all look like they're sort of spasmatic when they're dancing mm-hmm. at times. Uh, the Great Gatsby you had, which I actually liked. I liked it better than I like Moulin Rouge. I actually thought that it was a, a, an interesting production, mm-hmm. but I think it really undermined the one of the themes I, that I get from Gatsby, which is that, <laughs> it's about the wretched excess of the era, right? And, and how empty it is. And you've got Boz Lerman giving you wretched excess, you <laughs> know, pretty much all the way through the film, primarily in the first half. But really, you know, just over the top stuff most of the way through it. Um, and, uh, you know, Elvis, if he's only doing the Vegas era <laughs> of Elvis, maybe that works. But... I mean, Elvis is about raw rock and roll. It's about you know coming out of you know Tennessee and mm. and and you know launching himself Mississippi and Tennessee and launching himself in 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 uh, you know. It, I mean, I would expect a more gritty um, uh, approach to at least a good portion of Elvis's life. And Bos Lorman doesn't exactly. He and Luke Besson, neither one of them, neither one of them you know, it screams uh, gritty to me.
2: Yeah, you know, I a couple of things. I, one thing I worried about about the film is that, listen, there, there's something to be said about the fact that he was a, the white face of sort of R&B in a sense. Yep. And there were certainly cultural implications there. And I think if you kind of touch on that in a, in, a, in a forthright way, it's perfectly fine. They could go heavily into it and make it woke, which would be annoying. I actually, maybe this is an unfair comparison, but I compare Elvis a little bit to, Marilyn Monroe, like I feel like she's been so often explored in cinema, different movies, different takes, different actresses. And I'm just like, I'm Marilyn Monroe I There's a new project they're working on with her. I think Ana Demi Armas is is playing her and she's a talented actress. She's beautiful. I'm sure she'll be fine. I don't care. And I feel a little bit like Elvis, like I've spent all these years exploring this and, and Hollywood has been teaching me about her and the mystique and the magic and the allure and the tragedy i, I you know what else she got so I, I think the elvis thing is going to be like what else she got is there's certainly it, it's it's so explored territory I, you got to take something new from it well I, I think your point is really well taken with
0: marilyn monroe there was actually i think uh, michelle williams did a good job
2: yeah in my, was week, in my with, week with marilyn
0: yeah yeah i thought that was mm-hmm. although the storyline apparently was um <laughs> Not exactly true to life. I mean, Oops. it was based on it was based on a, a real thing, but the guy who is the protagonist who's played by Eddie Redmayne if I remember correctly. Yes, I believe uh, so. is is actually a lot more of a cad <laughs> than, a, <laughs> than a than a protagonist. In, in real life when this all yeah. was happening, he was a lot more of a cad than a protagonist and um he was a user and he used Marilyn, he used his old girlfriend and et cetera. I mean, there was all sorts of stuff with this. It was prettied up for, for that. But Michelle Williams was really good in the role.
2: Yeah, and, absolutely.
0: And um did you see the new Marilyn Monroe documentary that Netflix is airing?
2: I didn't know. Is it is it worth exploring?
0: You know, it is. I, I will tell you what my issue with it is. First off, there's a lot of good information in there that unless you're really... Immersed in the whole Marilyn Monroe thing, mm-hmm. you're probably going to learn some new things about Marilyn Monroe, about what happened, uh, you know, the 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 sequence of events that led to her death. It it never makes an argument that her death was anything other than suicide, either accidental or on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that type of thing. But there's a lot about the Kennedys, and there's a lot of people who are who. Uh, this reporter who put this together has tons of tapes of interviews that he was doing at the time and for several years afterwards. So there's a lot of interesting information. The only thing that really bothers me about that is they're reenacting the interviews rather than just doing, you know, like the Ken Burns thing, take pictures, you know, zoom in, zoom out, you know, show some action. And to me that introduces a note of falseness that really, I think undermines the probity. Of what they're trying to get across here. Other than that, though, I think it's really mm-hmm. interesting, worthwhile if you're still interested in Marilyn Monroe.
2: Yeah. And I, I also wonder at the end of the day, you know, it, it, that's not our era. We, we didn't grow up watching her on the big screen. And I'm thinking she was obviously beautiful. She had some a comic ability and her life was tragedy, uh, no, no, you no, know, full stop. But I also wonder if we've kind of built her up as this sort of icon in a way that maybe it's not richly deserved. I don't know. I, I, it's a good I question I thought
0: I, I I thought the same thing in this and I think what you find in this is this was a woman who was struggling mightily with her own inner demons of insecurity and mm-hmm. and uh, feeling of being rejected and it really interfered with her ability to a um, broaden herself although it did although she she did do she did improve in terms of acting she worked on it Um but also her ability to to really derive any real pleasure from it. and I think that yeah. that's the thing that really comes
2: across in it. So worthwhile it, if you're interested. And maybe for some people who also struggle with similar issues that they could latch on her as, as and identify with that part of her persona. I don't I don't know it, it just it, it, it you know when you live through a phenomenon you get it. Yeah, uh, you know for i was born in 68 so i don't i didn't get the beatles i i kind of get it from an intellectual point of view so maybe if you live through that era it, it's a different situation entirely i remember when when elvis died and my mom and dad were in the room and they were i mean the shock on their faces because i yeah. didn't know elvis i was just a little kid at the time but you know for them it was just a gut punch
0: well it was a gut punch for my parents and my, and my godmother who I happened to be staying with at the time you we were on vacation I was staying with my godmother at the time when the when the news came across and she was devastated by this elvis was always her her big you know yeah celebrity crush so to speak and she just adored him um and I liked elvis's music but so but I didn't get that much you know it that that didn't get to me as much yeah. so that's coming up that'll be uh Baz Luhrmann's elvis will be coming up in june let's let's turn to uh at least the brian Cox um story that that hollywood and toto is has been covering this is brian cox pushing back against hollywood's cancel culture who actually he and i love brian cox anyway in films even in bad films brian cox is always fun to watch i mean he's great i mean and it depends on what your definition of bad is but super troopers <laughs> i i just love super troopers <laughs> and he's he's absolutely hilarious in that movie um but he actually pins the tail on the donkey, and I don't mean this politically. Just you know, just as a turn of phrase. Sure. By calling it modern-day
2: McCarthyism, which I have said for a very long time, that's exactly what this is. Is exactly what it is, and I think it's interesting. I think he was speaking to Piers, uh, Piers Morgan about this. So, uh, but I think what's interesting is that often people, when they're cornered, will 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 get into this territory, or if they're under attack, will get into this territory. And you know, if you're talking to Piers Morgan, it's one of the things that he ta- that he cares about. But Brian Cox is, is not in the crosshairs. And the fact that he really lamba- lambastes this movement and does it without reservation was very fascinating to me. And I think he just sees a lot of his fellow actors who are coming under attack, who are being questioned for their behavior on set, for things they've said a dozen years ago. And he's had enough. And good, you know, good for him. I think he might be in his early 70s. Maybe he's just at that age where he doesn't give a bleep, you know, who knows. But uh, what he said was authentic, it was right. And uh, we need more people to say things like that because it does matter, people should be forgiven. And uh, what's going on is not right. And I I mentioned in my article about, uh, you know, Franklin Jella is under attack and, and Bill Murray, and they may have behaved badly, badly enough to lose their gigs or, maybe someone is misinterpreting what they did or maybe someone is trying to be the victim in the situation and and bringing down a person of immense power i don't trust the system anymore i don't trust this hollywood to get it right right or wrong you know it's interesting you bring up bill murray because i love bill murray
0: bill murray on screen is just awesome and he's done Magic. so many great things yeah i mean and he's uh, he's also willing to poke fun at himself i mean if you if you watched um Either of the two Zombieland movies, more in the first one than the second one, but he does have this sort of cameo appearance at the at the end, as sort of a prologue to the whole story arc, which is really hilarious. I mean, it's it's hard not to like a guy who just shows up and does, you know, who who just you know, photobombs people and hmm. and and you know, gives them a little bit of enjoyment with his, you know, by by um, sharing his presence, but. He does sort of have a string of people who've had <laughs> issues with them, and so I, I'm sort of reserving judgment on that. I, you know, somebody can be a really nice guy most of the time and still be, a, you know, still be a jerk sometimes. And mm-hmm. and so Franklin Langella, of course, I'm not sure what's going on with that either. But I think what the issue is here for both of these guys and for and for other people as well uh, is that if if somebody's been a uh you know a jackass let the punishment fit the crime right um fire him from one job Mm -hmm. you know make the point you know if you really don't want to work with them don't work with them but i don't think that i mean i don't think blacklisting people over um over you know single incidents without any sort of chance to you know atone you know redeem oneself that sort of thing and acknowledge that they've behaved badly learn a lesson because we all we all fall short all of us all of us you know speaking as speaking as somebody just from a christian background we all sin we all fall short uh but we do try to you know hopefully we try to do better uh and what i see and i think what brian cox is really uh nailing here is that the cancel culture in hollywood as well as in politics is really all about uh complete and total destruction of your enemies Mm. and um that to me is where it goes off the off the rails into McCarthyism, and it's you know it's one thing to to have a bad opinion about something and get rebuked for it. It's another thing to say you can never work again because you've expressed this stupid opinion I mean, you know Roseanne Barr is not one of my favorite people um for a couple of reasons. <laughs> It's, one's personal because of a, because of a a a brief but uh intense Twitter war that we had to, uh, between us <laughs> um but I would never want her to not be able to earn a living I mean I I just block her
2: <laughs> I, don't yeah. need,
0: I don't need I mean let her go out and learn, earn a living let her go out and 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 be a comic or or, or have a, a show okay so she said something stupid well I'll tell her tell her when she said something stupid but she should be able to earn. And so should Bill Murray. So should uh, a lot of people who are going through the cancel, uh, cancel culture process.
2: Yeah. The, the weird thing is when the Bill Murray thing happened, we like, well, you know, when he was shooting, what about Bob? He threw something at Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah, that was lousy and terrible. Yeah. That was also 30 years ago. And, and I mean, I, it's just weird. Let's bring up, and, and it happens almost every time. Well, and, you know, in 2004, he said something untoward to one of his co-stars. I mean, at the end of the day, can we all have a bit of a thicker skin about stuff? And well, if you're dealing with a guy like Langella, who's in his 80s, and he calls you "honey" on set, can you let that slide? He's in a different generation. Or just
0: tell him, "I don't want to be." <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. don't use that language around me.
2: And Frank, if- I, Frank, I love you, but I don't appreciate that that kind of you know. I'm right. I'm, a, I'm a youngster. I don't like that language. And I, and I I can almost guarantee you say oh I'm so I'm so sorry I'll you know I, I, right you know I'm old dog new tricks I'm sorry you know that same thing and you move on. But I think there's a is a currency here that scares me that the younger generation like, "Wow, I'm a nobody, but I can I can, you know, tackle a, a Langella or a Murray. I don't know. I mean, and again, we also don't know the details and situations, which I think right. is very maddening. Yes. I think much more transparency would be better for everyone involved. all.
0: Well, I mean, I think that based on the tenor of the conversations that are going on, when we're talking about Langella and we're talking about Bill Murray, we're not talking about. You know what's reputed to be happening with Danny Masterson, or what has been reputed to happen yeah, with Danny yeah. Masterson, which is a whole completely different level, completely right? Completely different, yeah. Completely different level. It's not. We're not talking about criminal allegations. Although chucking a chucking a five pound ashtray at somebody's head <laughs> certainly might qualify. But I yeah. think thirty years. I think the statute of limitations is passed. And Ben Dreyfus, by the way, who's uh, Richard Dreyfus's son, is on Twitter, who's actually really interesting. is an interesting voice about this. And I think you actually include some of what Ben has to say in this. Um, I mean, he says, you know, yeah, this happened and it kind of sucked. I was only five. So I mean, you know, I, I was there, but you know, it's a, he says, but in the end, what about Bob is pretty good movie. So, you know, you should watch it.
2: <laughs> I agree. I love that. My family and I watched it recently. We just had a great time.
0: Yeah. So You know i i think that you can separate the artist from the art um as what i'm saying and if if you absolutely can if you're the one that has to work with the artist that's you know maybe a little different prospect but then you do what lucy Liu did right and who's finally come out and started talking about this publicly over the last couple of years she just refused to work with the guy just say oh, yeah. I'm willing to do the show, but I'm willing to do the film, but I'm not going to put myself in that position again. Yeah. And and let the chips fall where they may. As it turned out, apparently Bill Murray also ticked off the director and a couple other people. So you know, you know. Apparently it worked out so that nobody had to had to put the band back together again. And Bernie, um, oh, um, who was it? Bernie Mac ended up with the with the role in the sequel, which stunk anyway. So yeah, um, <sighs> yeah. So. <laughs> What else is coming up at Hollywood and Toto? We're almost out of time here. Um, I, I mean, I just love these conversations with you, Christian. So we're going to come back and and do more of this as the summer rolls on. But what's coming up next sure. for you guys?
2: Well, I just want to mention uh, this week. I spoke to Dave Rubin. It's a really smart, thoughtful guy. For my podcast, it's called Right on Hollywood. It's coming out this week, so I hope you uh, check that out. He has a new book out called Not Don't Burn This Book, Don't Burn This Country. Kind of the next level of where we are culturally, but I, I just think he's such such an interesting voice. I think he's, you know, he's not a red meat flamethrower. I think he's very thoughtful. I think he's mature, and I think he's got a lot of wisdom. And I think a lot of things that he says are things that can bring, you know, both sides together to a certain degree. There's there's division that can't be healed, but some of it can. And I think that I like to focus on that. So I, I hope people enjoy that conversation because I know I did.
0: All right. Well, that's coming up at right on Hollywood. Now people can find that obviously at Hollywood and Toto, HollywoodandToto.com.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts.
2: Yeah, all the places at you know, iTunes, wherever you get your your favorite uh podcast, you should be able to find it there. And people should subscribe. As just as they should subscribe to this one, too,
0: by the way. Exactly.
2: Do it for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> subscribe to both. and uh, right. and All right. Well, Christian Toto, thanks so much for being with us. Don't forget to go to HollywoodandToto.com to read what Christian and his band of writers are doing over there. Some great work. And Right on Hollywood is his podcast. Be sure to download that. Be sure to subscribe to it. When we come back, we'll have more from The Ed Morrissey Show, so stay tuned. Hey, folks, this is Ed Morrissey here. I wanted to say thank you for watching or listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. If you like what you watch or see, please be sure to subscribe to the channel on which you're watching or or listening to this, either YouTube or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Rumble, Town Hall Media Player. Be sure to subscribe at any and all of those places so that you can find out when the next Ed Morrissey Show podcast will be dropping. Thanks again and have a great week.